notes. Chapter 2 From her grumpy expression, Marianne could tell that Ash hadn't caught up to Tommy. Guess he was pretty quick. That was borrowed magic. Like from Nikki? Something like. It doesn't feel like her. It wasn't clean. Ash crouched down and slapped the cheek of one of the thugs, none too gently. She didn't question him gently, either, whammying him without mercy. None of them had anything to say, beyond being Tommy's guys and treating everyone they met like shit. They didn't know who the doc was. Their job was loading people into a van once Tommy deemed them acceptable. How many so far? Dunno. Other groups out there. Hunting. The urge to kick intensified. Hey, Ash? Hmm. She was looking at the man like you'd look at a cockroach. How long do whammies last? What are you thinking? Make them pay. But, like, in a good way. Ash smiled. Her voice dropped into whammy mode. You'll leave this life. You will do charity. You will give everything you have to good works. Every penny. Every ounce of effort. Until the day you die, you'll work for others. But it will never be enough for you. You'll find no solace in it. Your work will forever leave you seeking more ways to help. You will die trying to do more. Give more. Her voice continued spinning her web for some time. They left them tied up and continued back to the car. Will it work? It works best on the weak-minded. So, yes... Ash's expression brightened. You'll find the other guy. Magic or not. It might do to ask Nikki in any case. Marianne worked on her poker face. She really needed to tell Ash about the whole Nikki was pissed at me thing. Soon. So, while you were gone, another vampire came along. He tried to whammy me and everything. Ash grabbed her arm. Gently. But it was definitely a grab. Why didn't you say anything? You were busy, and I got rid of him anyway, for the time being. You're all right, though? Yeah, I'm cool. Didn't like the whammy feeling, though. Ash brushed her cheek with a kiss. Marianne smiled, a little of the churning unease smoothing out. What did he look like? Ash's keys jingled. They'd parked under cover, and the parkade lighting hummed overhead. Marianne found it a little spooky. Kind of tall, lanky, that kind of thing, she thought for a minute. Bit of a fashion victim. Weird eyes. Weird how? Really intense. Well, like that. The vampire, still wet from his dip in the Burrard Inlet, stood in front of them. Lanky was a good word, she decided. Gangly, yeah. Except he had that vampire grace to help out with any awkwardness. Loosely jointed like a puppet, and dressed with more money than sense, as her mom liked to say. A gold-threaded shirt, tight and ugly enough to be seventies vintage and therefore cool again, clung to his torso. Skin-tight jeans hung off bony joints. Guess he could swim. Christopher? Ash? His defensive posture vanished. Suddenly he and Ash were hugging. Ash lifted clear off her feet. Vampire speed was unnerving, it turned out, even when it ended in a hug. What are you doing in this backwater? I should be asking you the same. You swore you would never set foot in the colonies. 
He set Ash down again, straightening her jacket. His smile was just as intense as his eyes. She thought she saw him fingering the leather, as though testing its quality. Hmm. The past is the past. If you get hung up on old prejudices, you'll miss all the fun. Christopher took the Revolutionary War personally, Ash explained. That doesn't have anything to do with Canada, and we aren't a colony. When Ash held out her hand, Marianne took it, but watched Christopher warily. He was born in the 16th century. Everything still belongs to England. Thought everyone back then was a short ass. One of many myths I'm happy to prove false. We also sometimes bathed. Or swam, anyway. He grinned, his eyes remaining fixed on her, even when he kinda turned to talk to Ash. I see I've gotten off on the wrong foot with your thrall. I don't have thralls. You know this. Still a woman of principle. Very admirable. Ash has morals. Ash sighed, giving her hand a squeeze. Marianne looked at her apologetically. Marianne is my partner. In the modern sense, I see. What about it? Anything to bring a smile to our Ash's sweet face. He finally properly looked at Ash, and Marianne hated to admit it, but for a minute his expression was unalloyed joy. She knew the feeling. Charming as always. Okay. Ash seemed pretty happy, too. Marianne resisted the desire to tug her away. What truly brings you here, Christopher? Ah, he looked over his shoulder. Those fellows back there were my best link to Van Hoff. Ash twitched, like a tiny shudder ran through her. He's dead. Prove it. A light breeze played through their silence, and the distant roar that sounded out the heart of the city. Christopher cocked his head, an attitude of waiting that reminded Marianne of certain teachers, especially when they'd literally just explained the answer to the question currently hanging in the air. Unlike Marianne's classmates, Ash didn't disappoint. The murders stopped. Even Lydia was satisfied. How much did you never want to see such things again? Wishful thinking is a siren song. Enough with the fucking sirens. Ash touched Marianne's shoulder, cutting off what was admittedly a non-sequitur. I assume you have some proof. You aren't one to waste effort. This and that. Honestly, Christopher. Somewhere better than a street corner, darling. You have a place to stay? Of course. I'll find you tomorrow night. He pushed a flop of dark hair out of his eyes. I need a nibble. Unless your friend... Not fucking likely. Marianne gathered from his expression that she'd done exactly what he wanted. God damn it. Until tomorrow, then. He was gone like the Cheshire Cat, only the impression of a wave and a smug smile remaining. Old friend, I guess. Very. Marianne shoved her hands into her pockets, nudging a pebble with the toe of her shoe. Friend or not, he was a dipshit. You hang out with a better class of loser these days. Don't let him get under your skin. Ash's arms wrapped around her. Marianne tucked her head onto her shoulder. Sounds like a story and a half, all of that. Very gentle, your interrogation. Must be the Canuck in me. Ash was quiet on the way home. Anyone else would probably be babbling or rattling or something. The only sign Ash showed was restless flipping through the radio stations. Marianne was just getting into brothers in arms when they pulled into their parking spot. Not her best quality, station flipping. To her surprise, she didn't get out, 
letting the engine tick quietly. Remember that I said that I was alone after I became... Yeah, Dracula's daughter. Rawr. Asha's smile was small, but Marianne felt some success anyway. I was crawling the gutters of London. 19th century London. I don't think you can understand it. I wouldn't want you to know it, though similar places exist now. They always have. They always will. Stick thin, undergrown children, barefoot and dressed in rags, sick with coughs or worse, cholera sweeping away those who didn't die of more regular diseases, little girls passed from man to man for pennies, or married if they were lucky. All of those, really, were the lucky ones, surviving infancy at all. Families crowded into tenement rooms doing piecework in the dark, or working in factories. Markets with gutters running with blood and fat from the slaughterhouses, everywhere stinking of garbage and waste. No sewers but the streets. So much gone to drink, making enough each day for a bed to sleep on, or a roof, at least. It wasn't hard to be a predator. The scum I fed on. Murderers, perverts, pimps, and parents. And the men who took out their cruelty on their miserable workers. I was feeding on a filthy little man. Man, scarcely human, passing his own pain on to others in a dozen ways. I know that now. Maybe I knew it then, too. But the world was too cold to worry about those things. She paused. Her fingers on the gear shift didn't look tense. Vampires didn't literally white-knuckle it, but a soft creaking sound gave it away as the metal strained. Big spoon? Marianne touched her hand, and when Ash seemed happy, held it securely. Something seemed to let go, some tension, and Ash closed her eyes a moment, cradled in the driver's seat. That was when Christopher and Lydia found me. They laughed at me the feral beast that I was, and swept me out of the gutter. And they taught me a thing or two. But, you know, the streets are never far, and there are always intolerable things. I'm sorry. It isn't your fault, my girl. But I'm still sorry. It sounds like a shitty place, and people seem like monsters. I wish you didn't have to go through it all alone. The cool light of the parking garage touched Ash's face here and there, Stark, but kind, especially when a little of the tension faded. She thought about the ring in her bag. Not now, dumbass. They helped you out? They moved in a different world. Whatever I thought the upper classes were, it was more. While they tried to train manners into me and my accent out, I was sent back to hunt thugs in the streets. They took on bigger prey, the business owners. Noblemen, those who thought themselves masters of the world, above all law of man and nature. They learned otherwise. Her bone-white smile flashed. I learned well enough to join them. It was a prettier game. Generally, they smelled better. That guy mostly smelled of cologne. Christopher likes a bit of flash. It was important when he was human, and he has a taste for the fashionable and extravagant. Lydia's different. She's been alive far too long to worry about those things. Her clothes were functional. She didn't grow as passionate as Christopher about anything. 
until Van Hoff. Marianne's thumb stroked the back of her hand. She thought it helped. She hoped it helped. There are always madmen. I didn't need Lydia and Christopher to tell me that. Bodies began to appear. Some fresh, others dug up, rotting in barrels, tortured, mutilated, like Jack the Ripper. Ash shook her head. Jack was grotesque, but in the end he was a rabid dog. And there have been others who share his patterns. There's something natural to what he did, in a terrible way. Van Hoff. She leaned back. It was only the appearance of relaxed. Superstition is the shadow of science. It's human nature to cling to old wives' tales. Like feed a fever, starve a cold. Just so. It's comforting to hear old words in new languages. I think it reminds us that others have suffered before, and someone has survived to tell the tale. Between superstition and religious dogma, the study of medicine, like other sciences, could only crawl. It was difficult to be a practitioner. In the age of reason, some were considered great men, but most were ghouls and butchers, up to their elbows in blood when the resurrection men came calling. Resurrection men? She thought of Frankenstein, black and white scenes flashing through her mind. To study the human body, one needed bodies. People would go to great lengths to protect their dead loved ones from being dissected. Resurrection men made their living providing corpses of various vintages to the back doors of medical schools. Occasionally, they would help this or that specimen shuffle off the mortal coil in order to help people. For some, the rhetoric quickly became a question of challenging God. Imagine saving a life. Imagine how that would feel when you were raised to believe that only God himself held dominion over life and death. So they grew in stature, claiming victories and dismissing their failures. Tin pot gods. And this Van Hoff guy was a doctor. He was a mystery, even among them. Where he came from, no one knew. No school claimed him, and even the resurrection men avoided him unless they were desperate. He worked alone, shared his work with no one. We tried to find out what we could about him, and this is almost all that anyone could tell us. He found his own, um, subjects. He chose to experiment on the living, conscious, living women. He wished to observe the effects of his techniques. If they were unconscious, how could he know? Marianne made a sound that was half disbelief, half horror. What could screaming tell him? Christ! He was one of the many who searched for a panacea, a cure for death, immortality, to capture some living essence for his own ends. That's just stupid. Like turning lead into gold or something. Marianne, I'm sorry. No, it's cool. Just, god damn, that's creepy. But I gotta know. It wasn't dead bodies or science or anything, although she hadn't liked 12th grade biology all that much. Poor baby pigs pinned down for dissection by teenagers more interested in getting high than identifying body parts. It was... She rubbed her eyes. Ash leaned over and touched her cheek guiding her close for a kiss. We caught up to him, and he tried his luck in the Thames. We never saw him surface. 
He would have needed a magic elixir to survive that river. It was more an open sewer at the time. He's gone. Whatever Christopher thinks he's found. Van Hoff is gone. Prove it. The flatness of the vampire's voice hadn't offered much room for doubt. You trust that guy? Christopher? Yes. With my life, a dozen times over. Whatever he's found, even if not Van Hoff, it's something that needs to be dealt with. By you. Call it an unfinished quest. He showed up outside their apartment door a bit after dusk, bottle of whiskey in hand. Good stuff. Marianne stood in the doorway, wondering how he'd gotten through the security door. You know the invitation thing is bunk, he drawled. Just weird vampire shit, she decided, stepping aside. Probably he could crawl all over the outside wall like in Dracula. It would be creepy enough. Ash came out and hugged him again, before taking the bottle with a happy sigh. In his other hand, he carried a black leather case, its sharp corners bound with brass. It looked heavy. She expected more lead-in, somehow. But except for pouring, they didn't linger over small talk. Maybe that meant it was serious. She thought of all that Ash must have seen. A lot of times their training devolved into Ash explaining this or that bad guy. Surface stuff, maybe like how to identify or kill something. There had to be stories behind each one, right? This time, Ash led with the story. That had to mean something. The bag's locks clicked open. It was stuffed full of manila folders, bulging the stiff sides of the case. She was briefly excited for the sheer organization and the amount of information it had to represent. It was almost instantly swamped by the shadowy memories of her nightmares. The contents were a buffet of sources. News articles, mimeographs, police reports, hospital and medical files. Mixed in with notes written in a hand so fine and elaborate that it was almost code. Some of the files were in foreign languages. She recognized French and German. Ash tactfully commented on the Hungarian label on another folder, saving Marianne from asking. How long have you been following this? Ash asked. I keep an ear to the ground. I caught wind of a situation that sounded familiar, oh, about ten years after we parted ways. I didn't find anything solid, but it did raise my hackles. Marianne was rustling through the files. There was so much. Old-timey photocopies of poorly reproduced drawings of imagined murder scenes. Police posed dramatically over tasteful corpses. Newspapers, documents, photos upon photos. She stopped at a grainy black and white. Her mind conjured movie scenes, brightened by thumping flashes of chunky bulbs. Stark, clinical, and clear. That's how they were. But this one was old. The fuzzy resolution made it hard to pick out details, distorting the limply sprawled body even more than it would otherwise be. Pixelated blood made it look thick as jam. The parts of her that should have been red... The cuts and vacancies were black and bottomless. She continued to stare, trying to make sense of it, like a puzzle with missing pieces. Where was the dark skin to close the gaping wound at her throat? Where were the strips of flesh meant to cover her chest and stomach? Ash touched her shoulder. Marianne checked the date on the photo and stowed it away in its proper folder. You think these are all his work? These are the ones I think are most likely his work. It was easier to miss some in earlier days. 
He traveled the continent a fair amount, and information was patchy at best. Later I found this or that case that pointed to him being in North America. He smoothed a label upon which New York and Coroner could still be read. Isn't this enough? Marianne asked. Each case included multiple victims. Van Hoff is a dedicated researcher. Into what? How to kill people? Immortality. Hasn't that ship sailed? He must have figured out something if he's still around doing this shit. It's odd, I grant you. But if he had achieved his goal in the way he wished, he wouldn't have continued his... research. Christopher plucked a photo from Marianne's hands. Hmm. The 1970s. A hard decade. Doctors, like killers, have their signatures. How does anyone just keep living? So many things on earth. In heaven. In hell. Marianne climbed onto the sofa beside Ash. The photo that she'd been holding was gruesome. Of course it was. They all were. More gruesome than some of the things she'd seen. But the images filled her chest like static, uneasy and alien. Like the baby pig, or fetal pig, or whatever the teacher had said. Charlene had named theirs Porkchop, because it was easier to be morbid and dark, divorcing the chemical-soaked corpse on the tray in front of them from anything like life. The photos somehow didn't do the same. They made it worse. Her brain wouldn't stop trying to make sense of the blurry shadows. Dissection. Vivisection. Ash corrected softly, apologetically. Of course there was a word for it. Viva la... Section. You are convinced. He didn't sound surprised. Ash tossed the file she'd been looking at back onto the table. Those men were some of his... procurers. The city is a fertile hunting ground. Transient population? No St. Giles, of course, but close enough in modern parlance. Most of the disappeared are still gossip. I imagine the news and the authorities will involve themselves once the bodies start turning up. Ash tapped the file. The last incident you have is twenty-five years ago, in Manchester. I didn't say it was easy. You lost him. He waved a hand. She'd never seen anyone drape themselves before, but he managed. She looked at the tapped file. An innocuous corner of the photo was visible. A bit of wall. Without willing it, the rest of the image formed in her mind. Garish colors. Blunt, invasive framing. The memory of how she'd died. Without knowing for sure, her mind was left to paint in all of the gory imagery. Little touch of PTSD? She didn't look at the doppelganger, but she remembered the iron grip on her wrists, keeping her from... keeping her defenseless. You didn't ask sooner, Ash said. We all seemed intent on our own roads, else the meeting time would have been made. There was a long pause. Christopher's expression was careless, his gimlet eyes less so. I didn't mean to stay away. Your quest? Yes. He drank, eyes still fixed to ash. That dockside was awfully cold. But Lydia must have missed her. The pain was almost palpable even if his expression gave nothing away. Well, I've called her. I'm certain she'll come for this. And it all vanished under a wave of confidence. We'll help you. Of course we'll help you. Van Hoff or not, murders on our patch aren't good for us, in any case. 
There's that practical streak, I know. What's our first move? Disappearances and unidentified bodies may have popped up on the police radar. So much time and effort just finding out who has jurisdiction. Ash and Marianne shared a look. Ash winked. We have a person.